and like I said, like when I was lying there on the ice and like I couldn't get up, like I knew, I knew what was going on. I kind of like in my head, like, like I'm paralyzed, like I can't do anything. That's Neil Doof speaking with Globe senior writer Grant Robertson. He's talking about the moment in a hockey game when his life changed. For some reason, just like thinking, like, um, like is my hockey career over? Um, like, what are people going to think of me now? Yeah, just a lot of thoughts kind of go through your head, just kind of worrying, just being like scared, um, just kind of you know uh, being afraid of like the uncertainty of like you know, what's going to happen. So. Mm-hmm. Since that day in 2014, Neil has been focused on two things recovering from his injury, and trying to get financial help from Hockey Canada and its insurer in a lawsuit. Today, Grant Robertson talks about Neil's case and the questions it raises about how Hockey Canada decides to use money from its National Equity Fund, the same fund that The Globe discovered has been used to pay out lawsuits about sexual assault claims. I'm Anika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Grant, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks for having me. Grant, what was Neil's life like before the accident? Well, he was quite a good hockey player. A neighbor had a, a backyard rink, which he he learned to skate on. He lived near the rink in Smith Falls. His friends played. Uh, his family eventually, you know, flooded their, their backyard so he could skate there. And, and so... He really is one of those typical Canadian hockey stories about coming up and, you know, spending hours shooting pucks on the driveway and breaking windows. In fact, he was a good enough player that he was given a scholarship uh, to go play for Princeton University. He was, uh, you know, heading off to uh, the World Junior A Challenge, uh, which is, you know, a top tournament, sort of one rung below the... uh, the World Juniors. Mm. And at that tournament, he was, you know, highlighted as one of the players to watch by uh, NHL Central Scouting, which sort of ranks the players. I mean, so it sounds like he was a he was a really promising young hockey player. What happened, though, uh, on the ice in December 2014 uh, at that, that World Junior A Challenge? The way Neil told me, it, it, it's, it was really just a routine play, you know, a play that he had you know, seen, you know, thousands of times. They were playing Switzerland uh, in that game, and he was trying to get past the Swiss defenseman, and they sort of, you know, jostled per, for position as they were going for this puck in the corner and, you know, maybe bumped shoulders. It's unclear, but what happened was Neil lost his balance and went headfirst into the boards. Um, mm-hmm. He was laying there on the ice, and immediately he knew something was was really really terribly wrong. He he felt a burning sensation and a tingling, and then he realized he couldn't move. He couldn't get up. And so there were paramedics there, and then the paramedics came out and just kind of, you know, just uh, was like, stay still, like hold through everything. Um, so I like, took off my helmet, um, put me in a neck brace, put me on the the gurney, and then kind of like wheeled me out. And at that point, he realizes, even today, that his life was was dramatically different at that point. Wow. And so, and so what happened then after he was injured on the ice? Well, the doctors told Neil's parents, you know, this is a worst-case scenario. He's never going to walk again. 
he he crushed part of his spine essentially. They weren't sure how what they could do for him. What eventually happened was he came out of surgery and he was he started off paralyzed from the chest down. He could move his arms. He he had, he had some problems with his hands, but he could move his arms, but he couldn't move below his chest. And then he told me, you know, there was one day in the hospital where he was sitting there with his brother and his brother was sort of, you know, urging him to try and wiggle his toes. One day it happened. He was able to wiggle his toes and it started small like that. And he was able to regain movement in his right leg and through intense physiotherapy, regain more movement in his arms. The left leg is still mostly paralyzed and he has neurological damage in all of his limbs. Uh, for example, fine motor skills in his hands are difficult. He, you know, he said, you know, sometimes buttoning a shirt can be can be a challenge. Uh, but really, through through the course of rehabilitation, he was able to go from not being able to move in a in a hospital bed to, you know, a wheelchair to eventually being able to get out of a wheelchair and walk with a walker, then with walking poles. And today, you know, he doesn't walk normally. He's still paralyzed in that left leg and he saw his problems with his other limbs, but it's really remarkable how far he's come. Wow, yeah. And and so initially then, what kind of help did Hockey Canada offer him? Well, initially, you know, his parents told me the story about, you know, rushing out to, to Saskatchewan to be with him. Hockey Canada officials showed up at, at the hospital and said, what do you need? And Neil's mom said, I want his siblings to be here. Because at that point, the prognosis is really, really bad. and. Mm-hmm. And Hockey Canada said, okay, we'll, we'll bring them out. So his, his mom and his dad said, you know, Hockey Canada was, was quite good to us in the beginning. His, his mom, Bobby Jean, she thought, okay, if there is money, I want it to go all to my son's rehabilitation. He moved to a hospital in Ottawa, and he couldn't fly, obviously, on a commercial flight, so they needed an air ambulance, and Hockey Canada also picked up the tab for that. Uh, they were getting reassurances from Hockey Canada, they say, don't worry you're going to be covered for you know the maximum amount of insurance here they they they've recounted conversations they say happened on that front and so there was no reason to to they thought to be concerned at that point hmm. and where was this money coming from originally hockey canada's insurance or or some other fund where that money came from was hockey canada keeps um an emergency fund called the health benefits trust and what that's used for is for, you know, medical and dental emergencies. Uh, but it's usually capped at $5,000. It's separate from their large insurance policies. And it's also separate from their very significant, very large uh, financial reserve funds like the National Equity Fund that we've heard so much about. Those are in the millions of dollars. Can you remind us what the National Equity Fund is, Grant? Yes. The National Equity Fund, which is really at the heart of a lot of this controversy over Hockey Canada this year is this large financial reserve. I've gone back through the books and you know some years it's exceeding 15 million dollars and they used it to settle the sexual assault uh, lawsuit that was launched this year uh, by the woman in London, Ontario who said she was sexually assaulted by eight hockey players on the 2018 World Junior Team. Hmm. Okay, so the money that that Neil and his family got at first was not from that, not from the National Equity Fund, uh, but as you say, from Mm -hmm. the Health Benefits Trust, uh, which Mm -hmm. is capped at $5,000. Did you get a sense, Grant, of of how much the doofs were spending, though, on, on Neil's recovery? 
Hockey Canada appears to have, have gone beyond their $5,000 cap to help out the Doofs in the early days. But Neil's dad said, you know, in the first week or two alone, their costs exceeded $30,000. So that gives you an idea of the magnitude early on of, of what their costs in his rehabilitation were. And then things that we don't think about that that show up in the documents related to the case. You know, he's he's got a lot of supplies that help him with, you know, day-to-day bodily functions and, and things like that, where these are ongoing costs that add up to about $10,000 a year. But the big concern with an injury like that is long-term physio and care for yourself, especially if the, the situation deteriorates, then his costs will balloon. So that's why that's why they argue insurance exists to to cover those things off. Hmm. And so when did Neil and his family start to get the sense that the support they were getting from Hockey Canada, that that, that support might change? There's a conversation that Bobby Jean and, and Bruce told me about that they recall in the hospital in, in Saskatoon where the head of Hockey Canada's insurance business said you know, I'm really sorry this has happened to your family, but you need to understand that at some point I'll wear a different hat. At that point, you know, it gave her pause and she thinks back on that conversation now. But still, there wasn't huge alarm early on. The insurance for paralysis, you know, for full paralysis of of multiple limbs is up to a million dollars, plus an extra $500,000 if you agree to not take further legal action against them. And so they were comforted by that at the time. But what happened was, as Neil went through his rehabilitation, and a year after his last hockey game, the family gets informed that, uh, no, after all, he, he's not going to get the coverage from the insurance company. Why is that? Well, he was told that he was going to get coverage for the loss of use of, of one limb, which would be his left leg. But the legal dispute now is over, how do you define neurological damage and and paralysis in other limbs. So for example, he has neurological damage in his in his hands, but he can't but he can still move his arms. He's got clear neurological damage in his right leg, but he can still move that, but he can't sense heat heat or cold and certainly doesn't move like it did before the injury. The way the policy is worded doesn't really address those gray areas. And so the family was told you're only going to get $30,000 for the loss of use of one leg. So there's there's a big gap there, and that's why they find themselves in court now. It seems like, in a way, Neil was almost penalized for, you know, for getting some of the use of his limbs back in, in a weird way. How, mm-hmm. does, how does Neil feel about this whole situation? Well, I, I think Neil's very surprised to find himself in this situation. Like I, th- like, I think a lot of hockey players in Canada, he never thought much about insurance. He just assumed he would be covered. And he had just assumed, you know, well, while I'm playing for Canada, if something bad happens, they're going to have my back. We'll be right back. Obviously, Neil's story is is so horrific, just in, in terms of the seriousness of his injuries and how, how these have, have changed his life. Uh, but Grant, is, is this a one-off situation? Or, or how common is it that, that injured players have to challenge Hockey Canada for more financial support? It's more common than I thought. There are players across the country, you know, we, we looked at cases really that are in every province and stretch across the country and run the spectrum of 
the severity of the injury and the severity of the costs. Hmm. Just off the top of my head, you know, a player in Alberta that had extensive dental work done didn't receive enough coverage for that. A, a, a player in BC who who sued over a brain injury had to go to court to fight for that. There, there's many more stories that are very similar to Neil, where the coverage available to them it hasn't met the extent of damage. Hmm. Wow. So Grant, uh, because of your reporting that you've done, we know that Hockey Canada has money. Uh, in, in 2021, it reported that its total assets were worth more than $153 million. Uh, they get money, of course, from, from sponsorships, events, uh, the government uh, up until this summer, player fees. Uh, and we also know that some of the fees that, that players pay to Hockey Canada go into the National Equity Fund. What has Hockey Canada said about the purpose of this fund? Yeah, the context of the National Equity Fund is really fascinating when you look at cases like these, and especially when you look at the events of this year regarding the sexual assault lawsuit. So Hockey Canada describes the National Equity Fund as a reserve of money that's there for claims that are underinsured and uninsured. So basically what that means is a claim that you know their insurance company won't cover or that you know what the coverage is isn't enough to, to, to cover for the situation or the damages. So what you see there is the definition of cases like Neil and like others that, that I spoke with, the amount of insurance that's available to him doesn't cover his damages. That, that's, that's the definition of an underinsured case. So hmm. you could look at the National Equity Fund and say, okay, Hockey Canada has said it's, it's there for these, these situations, so why are injured players not having access to to this this reserve fund that they have. It's supposed to be used for sanctioned hockey activities is how the wording on Hockey Canada's audited financials states the fund is to be used. Well, events that take place in a hotel room after a Hockey Canada fundraiser in the middle of summer are not a sanctioned hockey activity. But the fund was used to pay off that lawsuit. And so when these players across Canada, and especially this question is being asked in Neil's case, look at the National Equity Fund and the money that's there on reserve and what it's said to be there for, when they ask, well, why does our case not apply to that? That's a really interesting and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would say a very legitimate question to ask. What does Hockey Canada say to say to that question? I asked them about Neil's case and they, they've said, because it's before the courts, we won't comment. At parliamentary hearings, uh, as they were faced with really intense criticism this year about the use of player registration fees through the National Equity Fund to pay off sexual assault cases, they said, look, the National Equity Fund is also for injuries and other programs. Insurance doesn't cover everything. We're in a situation where we want to make sure that we provide and support families. And in in some cases, we've made payments out of the uh, Equity Fund for injuries that may not be covered to the extent they need to be from an insurance point of view. Now, they didn't give any details on how much it's been used for injuries. Um, They gave one example of a player who was paralyzed years ago um, who received money from it, but they didn't put a lot of color around how much it has been used for injuries, just to say that, hey, this is one really good thing that it does. So they refrain from saying how much it's being used for injuries, but we know millions of dollars then for for sexual assault claims. Mm -hmm. 
I guess I'm just wondering about the effect of all this grant. Like when Hockey Canada uses this fund for paying off alleged sexual assault victims and not for other things like injured players, like what effect does this have on the environment that's that's created by Hockey Canada as an organization? Well, it raises the question about why these funds exist and what they're used for. And MPs have alleged at the at federal hearings that this was hush money. Uh, Liberal MP Lisa Hefner at, at one of the hearings made the the point that when you have a fund that that can be used in these ways, that can pay off a settlement without holding players accountable, that sends the wrong message. And I'm wondering if you agree that by having a fund that allows potential perpetrators to escape any um, accountability, it perpetuates the problem. It's saying from the top that this is okay, and if you're accused of sexual assault, we'll get you out of it. You see a real disconnect about the rigor that they applied earlier in the year in, in, in a case that was settled very quickly to a case like this where the family has essentially found itself in a, in a legal battle that's, you know, seven, seven years now. This is really a story about accountability and transparency and what they've said the fund is for and what they've actually used it for. Uh, just just to end here, Grant, I, I just want to go back back to Neil. Uh, is is there a chance with everything that he's been through? Is there a chance that his his physical situation will will improve? Well, he's he's hopeful. Yeah, I mean, you hold out that hope. Yeah. I mean, I still do to this day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like as years go by um, and you're like continuously doing rehab. And, you know, maybe you'll get, like, a little stronger um, with, like, the, the muscles and the movement you have. But still, mm-hmm. like, neurologically, like, it's not really improving that much. So you kind of, you know, um, like, come to the realization, like, you know, maybe I've plateaued as far as my recovery goes. Um, but like I said, like, you, you still have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have hope to this day. And, you know, hopefully it changes. You know, one of the things that stuck out at me about this about this interview was, you know, Neil and his family, they're not people that are looking for media attention. Especially Neil was a very reluctant interview on this subject. But they also see the importance of this case. They acknowledge that this case is about other hockey players across Canada as well, that th- this situation can't be allowed to happen again, they say. And, and so, you know, that's why they're doing it. Grant, thank you so much for your reporting here and and for speaking with me today. Thanks so much. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.